Joining us for further look on what's playing itself out on that market scene is Makwe Masilela from Makwe Fund Managers. Makwe, always a pleasure and a good afternoon to you. Afternoon to you and to the viewers. All right, Michael, we are expecting quite a few uh, data prints. I think today, uh, Eurozone GDP, as well as its US CPI. But markets seem to be uh, upbeat uh, while they wait uh, for uh, these uh, data prints, Michael. What are you seeing on your side and how are markets, uh, you know, faring today? You know, the markets already have uh, factored in that the most awaited CPI number from the U.S. will show that it's moderating, that from 3.7, then it will show that it's going to be 3.3%. And based on that, should that happen, that, that tells the markets that probably have reached a peak when it comes to interest rates hiking, and that will be positive for stocks. So hence, we see markets as much as they are waiting cautiously so, but waiting on the positive side more than anything. And when it comes to the Europe, and GDP, I mean, a 0.1% kind of decrease, then it's kind of expected, and that shouldn't be bad news. As we've heard, the European Central Bank president saying that more or less after increasing after almost 10 rates, then the guys probably might have to pause. But the long and short is that markets, given the statements, given the economic data, have been factoring in that to have peaked when it comes to interest rates. And also remember tomorrow, uh, Joe Biden is meeting also with the Chinese president president and people are hoping that probably that might also help to ease the tensions that we've been seeing and maybe i'm not sure there's this sense of a fear of missing out because markets continue to go up up and up and maybe it's because markets are expecting that we might have a december rally so they don't want to miss out on the whole thing very interesting times indeed, Amako. Uh, what we are seeing becoming, uh, you know, a non-news maker at all is what's happening with the U.S. and Moody's, as well as the prospects of a government shutdown. Markets seem to not be bothered by this at all. Uh, is this because we've seen uh, here, been here, done that, and we know how it's possibly going to play out? You know, out of the three big rating agencies, Moody's the only one which is still holding the U.S. as AAA. So all I'm saying, all this negative news about the U.S. is already been baked into because the other two guys have downgraded them. And yes, it's still a good rating. And also we had the U.S. Treasury Secretary pushing back as well, the Moody's uh, 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 comments. And I think markets are saying, listen, from stable to negative, there's nothing new. The next thing that you might do, you might join your peers and also don't create them, you know, a notch down, which is already factored into the asset prices. And also the issue about the, what do you call it? Uh, we're talking about the... Oh, the, 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 the government the, shutdown, yeah. You see, we've been there, done that, you know, bought a T-shirt, you know, and I don't think the guys would be that reckless, mm. you know, and they still have up until Friday to come with a stopgap bill, and definitely they will come with something. Very interesting times there. Let's uh, take a look at some company news. Glencore uh, and that tech resources, a deal did emerge from this. Started off a bit tense, uh, you know, and Glencore was gunning for the full uh, tech resources asset, but it looks like uh, they've settled for a portion of it. And 77% is not that bad. And yes, that helps them because it continues to diversify their offering and not just on the product wise, but also when it comes to the geography, as we've seen with most multinationals, you know, that you get some volatility when it comes to currencies in other areas, you get elevated inflation, stuff like that. So for them to be able to get that 77%, markets are also happy as we've seen. And you said in your intro that the stock price, it was up almost 3% or so. And also in London, it's up. 
What is also interesting, I think, uh, that we are seeing is Bitcorp down just over 2% there. Now, they didn't release a, a bad set of numbers there. They're pleased with their latest performance market, but markets obviously are not convinced. Uh, what could be driving investors down uh, this afternoon when it comes to Bitcorp? I think markets continue as much as you've seen that the current uh, Israel-Hamas issue has not been a big deal as much as we've already factored in what's happening with Russia and Ukraine but we know Europe, if this whole thing gets out of control meaning uh, as so far it is now it's been localized then markets are saying, you know what, the likes of you Bitcoin might be affected, not in a bad way, as we've seen even during the pandemic that you also had a strain as well. So yes, you continue to produce good sets of results but going forward, I think we have to be cautious. A company that just can't seem to do anything wrong, Makwe, is storage. You know, it doesn't matter what the economy looks like. It looks like this is a company uh, that's always going to be relevant. People are always trying to store stuff. Uh, and it's quite evident in the set of numbers. A counter that I'm willing to call completely defensive. Definitely. I mean, the guys with 97 properties, I think 16 South African, 37 in the UK, and we've seen their property revenue going up by almost 16.9%. And also the value of those combined properties, you are talking almost 16.2 billion. And I mean, the guys managed to have a rental growth increase. In South Africa, I think it was 9.6%, UK 5.1%, and yeah, a mere dividend increase of 2.2%, but their profits as headline earnings per share were down almost 30%. What I'm keen to get your thoughts on is the testy time for Sasol that's ahead here. Of course, we know that Siponkosi resigned from the board as chairman on Friday. Uh, I had no idea, I think, until I read an article in Business Day today that uh, Friedman Grobler uh, also on his way out because it looks like Sasol will be in search of a new CEO and a new chairman. Sasol hasn't had a good time over the last few years. It's been a very difficult run for the company. I'm wondering what this leadership shakeup uh, and maybe even, uh, you know, the, the, the search for new leadership might look like for the company. You know, also for him to resign just a week before the AGM, the chairperson is not a good thing. And we know there have been issues with no biggest share. Some of the shareholders, you know, who hold more than 3% or so, have not been happy with the remuneration policies. And they said they're not going to approve that. And also the biggest one, the issue about the carbon emission, that the guys seems as if they're going to be missing their target. So yes, we know the five-year time is done when it comes to the CEO. So they have to look forward because the guy has been there since 2014 or so. I mean, since 2019. So 2024 probably is the last time that he has to be there. So Sipa won't be there to try to get the new CEO. But you are right. In times like this, oil price, I mean, chemical prices not doing that great. You don't want to rock the boat and have some leadership crisis. But hey, let's hope they'll get someone who knows the job. As we've seen, probably has been there ever since from university days, because I think he's one of the guys who got a buzzer from Sasol. Very interesting times at Sasol, Mark. I'm keen to get your stock pick in a bit. But first, I'd like us to reflect on counters that have found favor with your industry peers. They basically entered the American market by buying Sprint um, earlier in the year, which gives them a completely different growth trajectory from where they were in um, in Europe mainly. They they still remain the you know the first or second biggest player in their various markets. And uh, what are those different aristocrats? I don't think they've ever cut their dividends. So um, and current historic price earnings is about seventeen. Not extremely cheap, but I think um, considering the change in the income stream, um, longer term, quite happy with that. It's about Premier Group or Premier Foods as we know it. 
Um, the reported today, it sits uh, roughly at a 2024P of 8, if our calcs are, are correct, they're about close to 60 bucks. And uh, they're not paying a dividend at the moment. They haven't been listed long. Uh, they're paying awful lot of debt, but they are uh, also expanding the business quite shrewdly. ROE is uh, close to 30%. Um, uh, some good brands in there. Um, one of your business trading at a, a discount, you know, something like AVI in the same sector, not completely the same. You know, they've got some other businesses in there, not quite comparable, but it's trading at a mid-teens PE while this is sitting at an eight. Yeah. Um, so um, I think good discount for a quality ESA business. I'm going with Richmond. Um, you know, they did report results last week. Um, it wasn't as good as the market was expecting, but I, I think if you look at it from an overall perspective in the luxury sector, we have seen a slowdown come through. And that's as expected from a very high base post the COVID period. Richmond has essentially two divisions, which is the jewelry division, and that has very high margins at 35%, and it's growing in a very fragmented jewelry space. The other division is the, the specialist watchmakers. And although you know um, revenue was down in that space, their margins are still uh, just below 20%. And I think there's still scope for them to grow further in that space. Combined with that, they've got a very solid balance sheet, and that will stand them in good stead if we do have a tough environment, but also to make small bolt-on acquisitions to further their growth objectives. All right, Mark, we're keen to get your thoughts on some of those counters. We have Deutsche Telecoms, we have uh, Richmond, as well as Premier Foods. You know, Premier, I tend to agree. Remember, this has been listed, I think, around March this year, if as it was unbundled from trade. But look into their normalized deadline earnings per share, you know, as the results were released, up almost 25%. And look into this whole thing about load shading. The cost thereof for them is just marginal. It didn't have any impact at all. I think they could plus minus 17 million rent or so. And so that's not too bad for them. And Richmond, I guess, is a very nice rent hedge. Even if what happens with the economy, the market out there, their market is very resilient and a very strong balance sheet. So as a rent hedge, I think Richmond qualifies to be in the portfolios. And can you get uh, which counter you're going with this afternoon, McWay? I'll go with Vodacom. We've seen the guys, they've got almost 190 uh, million customers. But of interest is that their fintech customers increased to 73.5 million. And as well, fintech is now contributing just over 10% when it comes to their service revenue. And one can argue that maybe their P is demanding at 11, but the guys are a very good dividend payer, every dividend yield of 6.2%. Well, Mark, always a pleasure speaking to you. Thank you so much for joining us this afternoon. Have a fantastic one. Further, that was your midday markets update with Mark Masliela from Mark Fund Managers.